Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 15 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today in our main interview, I'll be talking to my oldest athlete yet and my first international athlete, UK-based triathlete Daphne Belt. But first, let's get to know this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. Let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete, Lisa Janice. I'm Lisa Janis. I'm 47 years old. I compete in duathlon sprints as well as women's physique competitions in the, for the MPC. I have been an athlete my entire life, so I played college basketball, and after college basketball, I was looking for something competitive as an adult, and I got into bodybuilding com- uh, competitions. I did that for a while, and then um, I went into triathlon and duathlons and um, did that. And then I did some obstacle course stuff. So I'm always just looking for a challenge physically and mentally. Um, Then I just recently got back into women's um, physique, is what they call it now, competitions. And um, I like it because it's the feminine look, but you're also uh, being athletic and um, it challenges your mind because of the strict dieting, so I also enjoy that because not very many people can do both. My advice would be to make sure you're enjoying what you do and that you have the passion and the drive so that you can uh, be successful in your own way. doesn't mean success means that you win your show, but you're always trying to beat yourself the last competition you did and I just love doing it so I I just enjoy the fun aspect of it. I am Lisa Janis and I am a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, a woman with a keen sense of adventure and someone who really knows how to celebrate a milestone birthday. Let's meet triathlete Daphne Belt. Hi, Daphne. Hi, Robin. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I hope so. You are triathlete Daphne Belt of Littlehampton, West Sussex in the United Kingdom. In 2014, you embarked on a mission to run 75 triathlons in 75 days, raising over 6,000 pounds for a local children's charity. In your career, you've earned six long-distance world championship age group titles and 28 national age group titles over various distances. And you seem to show no signs of slowing as you have your site set on the ITU World Triathlon Championships in Rotterdam this fall. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? No, only that my husband is my coach and my main training partner, 
and best friend, all of those things. It must be nice to have that all in one person. Yes, it is. It's nice when you can work with your spouse and train with your spouse. And especially if your spouse can be your coach, that's extra convenient and probably extra special. Yes. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? Well, I'm 78. I love it. Let's start from the beginning, Daphne. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports or were you active growing up? As a child, I danced and danced and danced. Um, my, my mother went out to work just to pay for my dancing lessons. I did ballet, tap, acrobatics, you name it, I did it. And how long did that continue? From, I would say, four until about 18. And then I had a long gap, not doing terribly much. And how and when did you find your way to triathlons? Hitting 50. Oh, wow. And you said you had a big gap. You had a big gap. I had a big gap. Passing 40, which is most most people's crisis point that didn't bother me at all but um hitting 50 made me sit down and and think about how much weight I'd put on and how unfit I was compared to the healthy child the healthy teenager the healthy young woman I was it was getting to a gym and uh, doing something about it and drifted into um into triathlon we had a young friend and he bought a magazine in one Saturday afternoon and stood and while we were messing about in the kitchen cooking he he read us an article about the Hawaii Ironman and and we just fell about laughing we didn't think that uh, anybody really would do that all in one in one day it does sound kind of crazy when you're not a part of it yes so how did you make your way to your first triathlon tell me about that first race my first race was actually a swim run that was in the january but during that autumn before I'd had to learn to do front crawl because I was a breaststroker, backstroker. So um, I, I didn't do any of those things. And, you know, cycling, I cycled as a child, and but not, not as a racing cyclist. But I never ran. I never ran. Running was new to me. That came at the gym. And so what was the first race that you did? It, it was called the Damp Dash, and it was at Kingston, Surrey, on Thames, which is where my husband comes from. And was he always... Active? Was he a triathlete when you met him or is that something that you found together? No, he he was uh, a, com- a competitive swimmer when he was young, but uh, not a triathlete. We, we, he's, he did a, a triathlon before me, the year before me, and I went and took photographs and shouted from the sidelines. And, uh, and then he bought a new bike. I got his secondhand bike. And it sort of rolled on from there. And what is it about triathlon as a sport that made you fall in love with it? It was just a lot of fun. And, and we, when, in our first year, I think we must have gone to a triathlon every weekend. Oh, wow. We just went completely overboard, totally nutty. <laughs> so when you decide you're into something, do you generally go all in like that? Well, in those days, the, the races weren't that expensive. So, you know, it, it was nice. Uh, um, they were all local. We didn't we didn't go abroad too much until later. And then what was the first like big triathlon, like longer distance triathlon that you did? About 18 months after we started, we did uh, Ironman Lanzarote. That must have been the first one. And what was that like for you? That was a, a disaster, really, for oh. me. But, but, <laughs> but I had um, I'd ended it not as seriously as everybody else. I had done Olympic distance and I had done middle distance and I'd done some bike rides and some runs. 
And it was curiosity, really, to see how far I could get. And I wasn't very good at race nutrition. And I got to a point in the run where I wasn't sure what the signs meant, if that was how far I'd been or how far I had to go. And so I was disorientated and uh, the ambulance came along and picked me up and, and took me back. I was confused. I wasn't terribly ill or anything, but I was confused. Yeah. Well, having traveled, you know, having competed at that distance and, and getting lost had to have been really disorienting for you. Yes. Well, I wasn't lost. I was still on the course, but I didn't know. I was obviously dehydrated and uh, and stressed. But I went back and did the same one the next year and, and got through it and qualified for Hawaii. So that works out. You learned from that first year. Yes. And I like that it didn't stop you. That tough experience didn't stop you. You just went right back and did it again. Yes. Did you go to Hawaii that year? I did, yeah. That was the first time you had been to the, the World Championships? Yes. Yes. I, I've been to Hawaii three times. And uh, how did you do in those, in those races? I think the best I've done in Hawaii is third in my age group. That's fantastic. So in 2014, you completed 75 triathlons in 75 days. Talk about going all in. You finished the last one on your 75th birthday. How did this idea come about? Well, on approaching 75, probably from being 74, I, I thought I really should mark 75 as three quarters of a century and do something special. And so uh, my husband and I chewed over all sorts of different ideas and we decided that since we were both triathletes that we would do something like that. And I suggested that we we tried a, a little event every day and we worked at it and tried various distances out, various routes out and found one that we thought I would be able to do every day for 75 days. And that's what we did. So what was the length of the route of, of the each, you know, the run, the bike and the swim for this particular challenge? I did a thousand meters swim first at the mostly at the local pool. But at the weekends, um, it wasn't so easy to, to get in there and, and do a straight swim. So sometimes we swam in the sea and sometimes we would book in a little event so that we could do it within an event. But mostly we did it locally at Littlehampton. And so we did a thousand meters swim. Then we did um, a 10 mile bike ride that went through a couple of private estates, lots of twists and turns, but no main roads. So it didn't uh, it wasn't dangerous and it didn't disturb anybody or and we didn't get held up either. Then we did the run, which was two and a half miles, um, which was along the seafront and round to the river and round a little pond and, and back again. So it was generally reasonable in length, but just but it was also challenging. You set up a route that would be interesting to see, that would work logistically, but also when you do this every single day for 75 days, that's quite the challenge. Yes, that that is the thing, you know, do, doing... And, and being determined to get it done, even when you got a little bit tired, you know, after um, a couple of weeks, I was quite tired. But then you sort of ground your way into it and just plodded on through. And um, and towards the end, it was just fun. Friends would come and do some of it with me. You know, some friends would come and do the bike ride. I saw my friends doing the swim. Steve always did the swim with me. And... Um, if we did a sea swim, then, you know, half a dozen other friends would come and do that sea swim too. How fun. It's nice that you got more people involved and people really 
embraced it and participated with you. Yes. My my first GB team manager came on the last day and and did the, the bike and the run with me. Was it was it a bit of a party on the last day? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. There were uh, bottles being popped open and uh, glasses and balloons and stuff. Yes, it was great. My daughter came along and took lots of photographs. She is a, a cracking photographer. She took loads of very natural pictures, which are great. So you did these triathlons, rain or shine, every single day for 75 days. Uh, were there any challenging logistical issues or or hiccups in the process that came along and also at the same time at what point did it become like second nature getting on towards the last few weeks it it just um it, it wasn't a problem and the runs got a little bit faster at the end so you know it was just became more enjoyable and it was really nice that that friends would come along and some would do the the run with me and some would do the ride with me if if my husband had to go away or he was working one day, then a couple of friends would come and do um, the bike and the run with me, which was good fun. I think what's really interesting about doing something like this, because I think a lot of people would hear this and just think that's insane, doing 75 triathlons in 75 days. And it all it kind of speaks to the power of habit that we can do anything, really, if we practice it and and do it over and over again. And it just becomes a part of your life. And it doesn't have to be a triathlon every day. It can be something much, much smaller. But I think it's just so interesting that you do something every single day long enough that it's it becomes a lot more natural. Would you say that would be the case with this? Yes, I've I've done a, a couple of other things that have been long distance, a couple of long distance walks. And uh at one time, there was um, a, a well-known broadcaster in this country, Lynn Franks. She started a, um, a radio station that was from a woman's point of view. I think it was called Viva, Viva Radio, it was called, yes. And um, for, for that, during the week before, I did um, uh, over 100 miles, sort of 100 to 130 miles on my bike every day in a flower pattern around London. So I did a, a petal loop every day. And on the last day, I finished up where they were doing the opening ceremony of the radio station. So that was 963 miles altogether because the, that, was the, um, that was her radio station was on uh, 950, whatever they are. So it commemorated where the station was on the band. Yes, yes. Oh, how cool! That's yeah. really cool. And I was, I was her first guest as well to be interviewed. So that was good. What a neat tie-in! What a cool tie-in, and, and a great way to celebrate the launch of that. Yes. So, have you ever thought of doing something of that magnitude, the seventy-five triathlons in seventy-five days? Have you ever thought of doing something like that again, or something similar? Uh, I think it's probably coming along for my eightieth. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think that will have to be. Oh yeah, and you've got a couple years to figure it out. Yes. I love how you celebrate your birthday. You celebrate your birthday in a way that most people don't, but I think it's really <laughs> cool and interesting and inspirational and I think we could all we could all stand to do something like that. Yes. Well, my husband and I we don't go out clubbing or drinking or anything like that. So we if we 
want a day out and we go and do something like that. We like a long walk or all sorts of things. It's funny how that happens when you embrace an active lifestyle that all of a sudden that other, you know, going out to clubs, going out and drinking, even the idea of drinking becomes a little less attractive, right? Yes. Yeah. My husband and I are the same way. You know, we, we have embraced a more active lifestyle. And so that's, that tends to be what we want to do. We like to go out and run or run a race or, or do something active together more than going out and having cocktails. I think we just feel healthier and happier. So I imagine that's the same for you and your husband. Yes, he, he doesn't drink at all. I, I have a, I'll have a glass of wine, but I'm not a great drinker. But he doesn't drink at all. So like, yeah, go to the theater or we like the cinema and stuff like that. So let's talk about a little bit of the entirety of your racing career. And this might be a loaded question. How many triathlons do you think you've done in your career? Oh, a lot. Because as I said, the, <laughs> the first couple of years, I think we did one every weekend during the summer. But I think it amounts to about 18 iron distance triathlons and maybe a few sort of long distance but funny distances that weren't a sort of official Ironman and probably a about 60 half Ironman races. And we, we, had a, we had a spell when we would take a holiday um, two or three weeks and we would do three events. We'd do an event each week on the holiday. That was our holidays. We, we don't do lying in the sun by a pool. No, you, you do a race. You do something physically challenging. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like how you holiday. <laughs> I like that. I always am encouraging my husband, like, let's go visit this place where there happens to also be a race happening. And then we can relax afterwards. But let's do this race first. And so I call them racecations instead of vacations. But uh, I like wrapping that up together so that you can travel and see the world, but also challenge yourself and, and push yourself and do those races. So I like how you live. Yes, we've, we've probably done, I would say, at least 350 Olympic distance triathlons. Wow. We, we just um, we don't choose a holiday. We choose choose an event and go and go and do a race somewhere. We have uh, favorite races in the UK and favorite races in other places. We've been to the States lots, done loads and loads of races there. Where's your favorite place to race in the in the United States? We did um, Camp Pendleton was a really, really good race. The first the first one, the first Ironman race at Camp Pendleton was, was great. And um, we've done uh, Vineman and Wildflower, um, Lake Placid, we did Memphis in May, uh, you know, St. Anthony's. And, <laughs> I hear um, someone feeding you information <laughs> back there. <laughs> Panama City Beach. Yeah, we've done loads and loads. That's the great thing, especially triathlons, because they really do happen everywhere. So you could pick and choose where you want to visit based on a race, right? Yes. I went to probably the most exotic was um, I went to Sado Island in Japan and we had to stay in a Ryokan hotel. So it was all kimonos and slippers and uh, sliding doors. How neat. That was fairly fantastic. Yeah. So can you take us back to, and you, I know you spoke to one of your toughest races, but can you take us back to your worst, hardest, or most difficult race that you've ever done? Yes, well, that, that first one in Lanzarote was, was fairly uh, uncomfortable. But uh, as you say, I, I did learn from it. And, and I, hadn't ex I don't think I had really expected to get to the end of it. I just sort of did it to see how far I could get. I was just plodding along to, to see where I was able to get myself to. 
But um, the only other place I've had um, a fairly dodgy moment was we did the Lake Placid race and I fell asleep on my bike. Wow. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) I don't know. It happens because uh, I hadn't drunk enough and it was very hot, I think. Um, And it was quite a hard course and um, I hadn't had anything to eat at all. I had an upset stomach. And I got to one point where I I fell asleep and unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately somebody saw me and I, I was taken out of the race. So what would you think is the most important thing you learned from that race? Well, I learned that uh, that's that's how you can lose a perfectly good tri suit in one easy lesson when uh, when they can't find a vein to put um, an IV drip. And so the scissors went straight down the front of my, my tri suit to, to find a vein in my chest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I was fa- fairly seriously dehydrated. So that was, uh, again, you know, a situation you don't want to do if you can possibly avoid it. Yeah. So would you say hydration and nutrition was a big thing that you got from that one, too? Yes, yes. I'm not wonderful when it's very, very hot. I can cope with it being as cold as you like, but um, the the heat can get to me. I'm a bit of a booby in the heat. (laughs) So it's important for you to acknowledge that if you're in a a situation where it's going to be hot, that you need to really kick up the hydration and the electrolytes for that. Yes, yes. So on the other side, can you tell us about your very most favorite race? Well, my favorite Olympic distance race in in the UK is probably Windsor, which I think I've done about 23 times. So, you know, that's fairly popular. Yeah, you seem to like it. That's <laughs> yeah, that has been done a lot of times, yes. Yeah, you either like it or you're a sucker for punishment, one of one of the two. Yes. Yes. So what is it about that race that keeps you coming back? It's fairly spectacular. The swim is in the Thames and it's, it's quite hard because there is there is a flow there in the Thames. And then the bike ride goes around the Berkshire countryside and the run runs up and down in front of Windsor Castle. And it used to go up Eaton High Street to Eaton College and, and back. It was a spectacular scenery. And then what was your best moment in a race what is what is the highlight for you well it's always get it's always getting to the finish but um i have got some happy looking photographs one in sado island in japan uh, i was very pleased to get to the end of that knowing that i knowing that i was first in my age group that was good and and at camp pendleton i i was i was i won my age group but i was also getting towards the last. I don't think I was quite last. There was one man behind me, but there was a, a troop of a troop of Marines coming in at the same time. So that, that was quite spectacular. So I, I feel like you really like to embrace the very unique moments of each race. Yes, that, that's why um, we, we, we choose somewhere that we haven't been before and, uh, you, you know, just try and make a big holiday adventure of it. Yeah, what a way to live. So what types of unique challenges or conversely, perhaps even benefits do you find you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at such a high level or racing at such high frequency? Well, the buzz that I've had over and over and over again is I'll be in a race or at a race and somebody will come up to me and say, I started doing this because I read an article in a magazine about you or I 
I saw you being interviewed on TV or something like that. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not always pleasant. I was at uh, in Austria doing Ironman Austria, and I was out on my first lap of the run, and I passed a guy who had a North Yorkshire police vest on. And as I went past him, I said, oh, you're, you're still having fun. And he he looked at me, and then he did one of those double takes, and he said, you're Daphne Belt, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, it's your fault I'm suffering like this. <laughs> <laughs> inspiration can be detrimental as well. So that, that was the funniest one, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. But I love that you're out there just doing what you're doing, inspiring people, that people love. What, I mean, I heard your story and I found it inspirational and I wanted to talk to you. And I tell people all the time for these interviews, like the reason I do this podcast, yes, I want to inspire other people, but quite selfishly, I want to inspire myself because I just love the stories of everybody I talk to. And it's hard to not want to go out and run a triathlon having never done one before after listening to you. Like it's, it's hard not to be inspired. So I do this selfishly, but I also hope that other people will feel inspired too. So I love that you're out there inspiring people. So so as a 78-year-old triathlete, I mean, it sounds like nothing slows you down, but is, does anything, do you find any challenges in your training or are there any considerations you have to take to stay at the level that you want to be at? Well, I just, I have to be a, a little, a little bit careful and because I know that if I get an injury at my age, it's going to take a much longer to repair than, than a young person. So, you know, I have to just be a, a little bit more cautious. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm helping a lady, you say, about inspiring people. She is starting triathlon at exactly the same age as I started, which is 50. And she has done three triathlons now. She's just having such a wonderful time. She, she had the advantage over me of that she was already a runner and she could actually do front crawls. Um, you know, she's, she's having to work on her swimming um, right now, but it's coming along nicely and she's, she's done a sea swim and a couple of pool-based triathlons and she's just been so excited at the finish each time. It's a joy to see her face when she finishes. How fun and how great it, it must be to be able to inspire and encourage and actually help someone one-on-one -on -one who was once in, you know, that you might've seen yourself in. Yes. And that lends itself to my next question. So what advice would you give to someone who may be around your age or maybe younger or maybe 50 and has entertained the idea of trying a triathlon or running or swimming or biking or anything really, but they never saw that for themselves or they might find it intimidating or out of their league. What advice do you have for that person? Well, I, I generally get them to come along to a, one of our swim sessions and, and try it out. You know, they, they all say, well, I can swim, but I can't swim like you. And I, and I just say yet mm -hmm. because, you know, you have to take it a, a stage at a time and, and they, they just drift into it. Then they'll come out and have a, a little bike ride and, and and then we'll put it all together and pick a pick a race for them and something that's safe and local and not too expensive and just let them see how much fun it is. So are you coaching people regularly or are you just kind of helping people? Yes, I am. I'm a qualified coach as well. My husband is a, 
is the head coach. Actually, between you and I, and he is listening, he's a bit of a control freak, so he <laughs> likes to take, he likes to take charge of everything. So you know, <laughs> if there's anybody in the pool on our Saturday night club events, we, we just have a, a couple of lanes. But if there's somebody in the next lane and he thinks their stroke could be adjusted, he will, he'll go along and you tell them what they're doing wrong and they, and they take it too, you know, they all, you know, thank you for, thank you for helping me. It's a great thing of being passionate about something is that you want to help people. Like you want to help people get better. Um, I feel the same way. I want as a coach and just seeing people, you know, learn a skill. It's like, I want to, I want to help you. And I want you to be as excited about this as, as I am, because I know how thrilling it could be. Do you, do you feel that's kind of similar with you and your husband? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Neither of us really, we we can't leave people, you know, people who've just come along and they're swimming beside me. I said, you know, had you thought if you kept your elbows high, you might to be able to get a better catch in, in the water and, and, and they all like it. <laughs> yeah. If you can help people feel confident about what they're doing, they're going to get more excited about it. Yes. They like that you've even noticed that they're there and, and that you, you think that they could improve. And we all can improve. Yes. And it's and it's great when it happens. It's it's powerful when it happens. So I love that you guys are doing that. On top of being an accomplished athlete, you are also a rather prolific poet. You share your poems regularly on your blog. And we'll give that web address a little later on in the show because I'd love to share that. Sometimes you even recap your races in poetry form. I just read uh, one of your more recent entries where you recapped one of your races as a poem. I think that's so cool. Can you talk a little bit about how and why you got into writing poetry? Well, a number of years ago, I think it was four years ago now, we were on holiday um, in Italy. This is another little problem I have is that my husband and I are both, we call it cartophiles. I don't know if there is a correct word for people who like maps but I became quite obsessed with the foot part of Italy. You know, we all think of Italy as a boot yes. on the map. Well, I wanted to go around the foot part, the actual foot part. And so we took a holiday and we went to one place and then we moved on and then we went to another place. We still did our runs in between and the swims in between. And we were in one town and I was looking around at the Roman ruins and how spectacular it all was and I put my foot in a hole fell over and um, had a very nasty accident I had cuts all all along my arm and um, I I could only just hobble and um, so we went back to we had to get a taxi back to our hotel and um, we we had a couple of days Steve tried to get a a different flight home but we, we couldn't get an earlier flight and so I waited three days before I went to the hospital. I, I flatly refused to go to the hospital there just in case they, they kept me in. I, that was my fear was that they might keep me in. I might need to have an operation or something. So um, I, I just hobbled and went up steps on my bottom and um, waited until we got home. So that's three days before I went to the hospital and they said I had three broken bones. So... That was what held me up, and then I was incapacitated and people saying, you've got to stay still and let it mend, keep your leg up. And I am such a world-class fidget. <laughs> well, you're just such an active person. I imagine staying still is just doesn't come easy to you. It was, it was impossible. It was impossible. So I had to do something to keep my sanity, and so I, I, I needed a bit of discipline in some way 
And so I had always liked poetry, but I didn't write it. So I set myself the task of writing a poem a day until my fitness was restored. But actually, I went on and did a poem a day for a year. And and then I just do sort of now and again, then maybe a couple of weeks now. I love that. You're such a disciplined athlete. And I think you've lived in a way where you, you, you stay on top of your fitness and you stay on top of your sport. And when you couldn't do it anymore, you found a new outlet and maintain that discipline and maintain that sort of athlete's mentality, but in a creative outlet. I think that's so interesting and could potentially translate or resonate with people listening who may not see themselves as athletes, but may see themselves as creatives or vice versa. But really, you can be both. I think that's so cool. Yes. Yes. Well, that that's what I did. And it kept me, it was like a therapy, you know, that's what it was. It was a therapy to keep my head on straight. You have such an impressive race record. And it sounds to me like you have no signs of stopping. Am I right about that? No. Well, next, next year, we've already entered two Ironman 70.3 races one in Denmark and and then two weeks later one in Finland because we've never been to Finland before and that it seemed, looked like a new race and it looked interesting and fun. So two half Ironmans two, two weeks apart? Yes. And getting to see new places that you've never been? Yes. So is that that's your next big challenge that you're training for? That that will be the main the main focus for next year, yes. And then do you have any other smaller ones or do you just kind of figure that out as you go? Yes, we'll do lots of smaller ones as well, but that that will be the uh, the main event for next year because it it'll it'll work into being a 3-week trip because you have to be there before the first one and then and then that one's two weeks later and then you have to uh, get home too and Finland is a long way. Uh, but what a great way to see the world. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So before we go, Daphne, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, um, as far as races are concerned, if you have a bad race, you know, you don't, you don't give up and say, okay, well, that's it. Obviously, I'm not suited for this. You you just close the door firmly and move on and just do the next one. I like to always have another event on the horizon so that I'm doing one and there is another one coming along sometime so that there's there's always something that you're looking forward to. I, I love that. I like to do that too. And it gives me, I like to do it A, because it gives you something to look forward to. I agree with that. And B, it gives you a very tangible thing you're training for. So you're not just training for the sake of training or getting out there and running, swimming, biking, but you actually know what it's for. So it keeps you motivated and moving forward. Yes. So if someone wants to learn more about you or read your poetry or follow your racing adventures or talk to you about coaching, where can they go to find you? Well, I have a a diary blog and it has um, some some poetry and it has a little bit of my sports stuff I don't see leaving that off if I'm writing a blog so if I've done anything sports wise that's interesting I always add that to that and the address is www.dafbelt that's d-a-f b-e-l-t dot blogspot dot co And I will put that in the show notes as well. You definitely spelled that out very clearly. So hopefully people are writing it down. But in case you didn't write it down, I'm going to put that in the show notes for the show on uh, seasonedathlete.me so that people can go there. I definitely encourage people to check it out because the poetry is cool. The poetry about the races is cool. And it's just it's so neat to see what you're doing. 
I love that at 78 years old, you are pushing yourself and going as if you were much, much, much younger. What age do you feel you are? Oh, now I wrote that down only today. 30. 30. So <laughs> I love it. So seasoned athletes listening. Uh, this is I mean, this is the key, really, because when I talk to people and I feel it, too, I'm I'm 42. I'm a spring chicken, but I feel younger, too, because I stay active. And I think it's it's a real thing that the more active you are as you get older, the younger you feel and the younger you look. I, I look at the people I interview and they do not look the age they say they are. None of them feel the age they say they are. And I love that you feel 30. That's amazing, Daphne. Well, people people have said to me, you know, at some time or other, oh, when are you going to grow up? And I say, not going to happen. I mean, why <laughs> should you? <laughs> not gonna happen, not gonna happen. I, I like that you're sassy to them too no not gonna happen it sounds like you're living your best life would you think you're living your best life yes yes I ha- we have we have fun and my husband and I are, are great friends and uh, you know we chew things over when we're not quite sure what's going on and and that's that's the way it is and we we like to do things together and you know whether it's going out and like we went to see Fiddler on the Roof on my birthday that was great fun and and we like to do sport together so we we swim four times a week and we bike ride together everything we do together. You and your husband are fitness goals you are athletic goals and you are relationship goals for many of us. I definitely, I hope that my husband and I are living the life that you and your husband are living when we are in our seventies and eighties. Good. Yes. Something to look forward to. I love it. So Daphne, thank you so much for being on the seasoned athlete podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and hear about your racing career and hear about your adventures and just really embrace your your spirit and your attitude on life. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was lovely. It was nice to nice to meet you. And and thank you for I know you know the time dif- difference in our call. It is definitely on the later side for you and I know you get up very early so I appreciate you taking the time on the later side of your evening to talk to me today. Yes, it's getting on my bedtime. All right. Well, then I'm going to let you go to bed, <laughs> Daphne. Thank you once again. Okay. Thank you. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Daphne Belt. Number one, life is an adventure, so embrace it. Daphne uses her races as an opportunity to see the world and visit places she's always wanted to go. This also gives her an opportunity to race in some stunning locations, soak in the beauty, and really enjoy the unique moments that can only happen in those races. Number two, don't ever say you can't do something. Instead, say you can't do it yet. If you have the desire, you can learn. And help is always available. Daphne loves helping people discover their passion for racing just like she found hers. So if you've ever considered doing something you never thought you could, just remember to add that word, yet, and find someone to coach you, guide you, and start taking the steps to achieving your dream. And finally, always have another race on your calendar. It gives you something to look forward to and a purpose for your workouts and your training. Thanks again to Daphne Belt for a lovely and inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. 
Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about Seasoned Athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.